Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is winning season at my bookie. Use promo code Gators on a deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash instantly to your my bookie account. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators and use code 50Gators for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. And Gators Breakdown is also brought to you by BetterHelp. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gators and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Gators. Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown podcast is ready to go. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC, at Gators Breakdown as well. Joining me tonight, co-host Will Miles from Read and Reaction, and our special guest, Florida offensive lineman Austin Barber, joining us right here on Gators Breakdown. Austin, man, thanks for uh, hopping on Gators Breakdown for the first time. We got the little 904 connection going right here. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on. I'm excited. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Will, man, uh, we'll, we'll get into it here with Austin, but uh, should be should be a fun episode here. Yeah, man, I'm excited. We we usually have we've had running backs on and quarterbacks on, but now we get to the the meat of it, where all the action really happens there on the offensive line. I'm excited to hear a little bit about it. Yeah, the trenches, <laughs> the trench, trench warfare. Let's go, let's go. But uh, yeah, so we'll get into a lot of good stuff to talk to uh, talk with Austin about right here. Coming off the big win versus Tennessee a couple weeks ago, game versus Charlotte last weekend, and up next are the Kentucky Wildcats. Everybody, hit that like button before we get started. Subscribe to Gators Breakdown if you haven't done so yet. And of course, you can join our friend at Florida Victorious, who helps us put this interview together right here with Austin. You can join. 20% off your first month. Link is in the description with promo code GATORSBD. So, all right, Austin, let's get to it, man. Uh, like I said, last couple of weeks, I mean, of course, we all remember the big, big win over Tennessee a couple of weeks ago. The Swamp is rocking. It's a big win over a rival. Uh, didn't get the win over Charlotte this past weekend. So, kind of just combine these last two weeks a bit, just how big was the win over Tennessee? Was there maybe a little hangover effect versus Charlotte this past weekend. And look, we heard Coach say after the game that you guys knew the game was probably closer than it should have been. But, I mean, human nature comes into it a little bit, I guess. You know, we, we all know just how big that win over Tennessee was. 
Yeah, the win over Tennessee was huge. You know, uh, they beat us last year and when we were there with them at their place. And, uh, you know, we kind of emphasized the the rivalry that we have with this team and how, how far it goes back and how far it is and, uh, you know, how long we've been playing this rivalry. And uh, we really made emphasis on that because, you know, we had a lot of young guys and transfer guys that don't really, you know, really understand, like, the rivalry of it. And, you know, I think we all went in there confident and, you know, we haven't lost to them since 2003 at home. And, you know, we didn't want to be the team that lost to them. And, you know, I think we went out there and executed what we had to do. And, you know, I think the score showed for it. And so, Austin, go ahead. I was going to talk about uh, Charlotte. But uh, Charlotte, you know, we went in that game and, you know, we didn't – maybe we didn't score as many points as, uh, you know, that we wanted to. And But, you know, I think we went out there and moved the ball up and down against them. I mean – when you look at it, I guess you can say that we didn't play to our standard that, you know, putting up 40 points, 50 points on this team. But, you know, I think we went out there and had a lot of good things on tape. And, you know, I'm excited for this week coming up. <clears throat> and so I'm wondering, after a big-time win, like like you guys got against Tennessee, what's Gainesville like? How does that change your week? Obviously, you know, a lot of outside noise and negativity after the opening loss to Utah. The win against McNeese probably didn't change that all that much. And then all of a sudden everything flips and uh, and, and things are different. So how different was it when you were in Gainesville the week after that win? And do you think that fed into, um, you know, the performance against Charlotte and sort of maybe some of the preparation and the practices? Uh. You know, they all love you when you win these big games, you know. <laughs> in the first week, they, they, they're they saying all these bad things about us, and this team's going to be the same as last year. Then we go in and, you know, 3-0 and and back up going in this week. We're 3-0 since uh, they lost to Utah. And, you know, they love you when you're on when you're on top. And, you know, that's the thing about these fans. They're passionate, and, you know, it's it's something that, that you know, Florida holds a lot of weight in. It's, you know, when we're doing good, they love us. And, you know, I love it. It's, it's good to see it, but – you know, we're trying to block out all that noise and, you know, really focus on the team, what we've got going on for each week. And, you know, I think that's the main thing for us, just, you know, really trying to block out the noise and, you know, just go to what we know and, you know, like practice stuff like that. Also, talk about, you know, the the offensive line. I think we can even go back to the springtime, but go to spring and, and fall camp a little bit. And you guys were beating up. You're shuffling a lot of pieces. That happened this week versus Charlotte as well. Uh, look, and we, I think we saw what we think might be the starting five versus Tennessee, and that was a good performance. Just talk about the difficulty of, you know, not necessarily being able to play with, quote, unquote, may, maybe the best five out there on the offensive line and, you know, ha- having to play with a, a different lineup so far, game in and game out. You know, you, we see it like this, This, you know, the line against Tennessee was, you know, I, I feel like that was, you know, the best five out there. and But, you know, the guys that played that last week and, you know, with people being out and stuff like that, they came in and did a, a really good job. Like, you know, Jake Slaughter did a, did a fantastic job last week and, you know, the in McNeese. And then, you know, Najee Harris and Lindell came in and stepped up when we needed them big. And, you know, I, I feel comfortable with, you know, whoever that, you know, the coach puts out there and, you know, they, they're out there for a reason. And I feel like, you know, if they're playing in this big-time ball and these big-time games, you know, they can – they hold their own. And, you know, I'm not really worried about – you know, like if they're really ready to play or not, because, you know, if the coach trusts them, I trust them. And, you know, I think it's, you know, I really have faith in, you know, what we're doing. Is is, is the hardest part of that just be really the cohesiveness of it? I mean, would you probably would just like to have the, no matter what the five were, just to have the same five over and over again? Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? It's just really trying to build that, you know, like 
each snap. You want to have a lot, a lot of snaps together. And, you know, I feel like we haven't had a lot of that yet. You know, it showed in like we're playing, rotating different guys in and things like that. But, you know, we practice with these guys every day. And I think that helps like, you know, with people being, you know, hurt or whatever happened last week. And I just feel like, you know, we, we practice with them every day and it's not really, it's, I would like to have some more game time with them, but, you know, practice time helps a lot. And, you know, obviously Kingsley Egwikin has been out for three of the four games this year, but I'm wondering, can you speak to what he brings and specifically the center position brings? I think oftentimes we just sort of gloss over it until all of a sudden you got to make a change. And it's not that Jake Slaughter isn't doing a good job out there, but obviously you got a guy who's got three years of starting experience there at the center position. What does he bring and how important is he to what you do as an offensive line? I think he just brings like the the old, you know, I consider him old now, but you know, just that old guy that's been there a while and played just the experience that he has and all these SEC games and all these SEC stadiums, you know what I mean? Like <clears throat> for him, you know, he we can really lean on him when when things are going not not the best because you know he's been in these situations and over the years of him playing and, and you know, even even though he's not playing, he's doing a very good job of being a leader, being a being a guy that helps us like you know, hype us up when we need it, when, he, when we need him to come in and step in and, you know, talk to us about stuff. He's really good like that. So I think he's doing very good. You know, like, even though he's not playing, he's doing a good job leading us. Hey, Austin, I got the in, right here in the YouTube uh, chat, but uh, I was going to ask it right here too. But Harrison wants to know your performance, uh, you know, so far this season. And I guess going into that, you switch from the right side to the left side. So how has that been different? And going back, I guess, to the spring and fall and all the prep that come along with that, how different is the game for you from right to left side? You know, for me, I think that it's not very different because if you watch last year, I was from back and forth, you know, rotating mm -hmm. every – almost every drive I was at right or I was at left. I, you know, I feel like I played both. And, you know, for my performance this season, I think I'm playing pretty good. There's just a lot more room for improvement, you know what I mean? Like – I go in every game and, you know, try to fix the things that I need to fix from last week. And, you know, there's times where I play play really good and there's some times where I need to step it up. And, you know, I've you know, I've really been trying to watch these games and break them down and figure out what I really need to work on. And, you know, I'm never going to be satisfied with how I play just because of, you know, I want, I'm, I'm trying to be a perfectionist and, you know, I'm trying to make it, you know, for a long time and playing football and that's what I want. But, like, there's, there's times where I play good and there's sometimes where I need to work on stuff. And, you know, I'm just taking every week like that. And, you know, there's always room for improvement. And, you know, I'm excited for each game coming up. Like just knowing that I can just keep building and building and building and working on my craft. Yeah, what personally, I mean, if you can share with us, what personally do you think you are working on? What would you really like to see improve maybe by the end of the season or, or even over the next couple of years? You know, just not being that like, an experienced guy, you know what I mean? I kind of want to be like the Kingsley that knows, like, playing a lot of ball, all that stuff, just trying to get my, my like, experience up. And I know just that really helps with each game and each time playing, like, different teams. You know, I've already had one go around with, you know, with this, like, I guess the SEC, and, you know, I'm ready for the second go around just to see how I've been playing, like, how I stack up from last year to this year. And I think, you know, just really just trying to fix the little mistakes that I did in last week's game and just – you know, that's really the big thing, just trying to have that experience to lead these guys in upcoming. Also, I got to know, what's a Sunday like now? You get you have a game on Saturday, and you get you, – got, got I'm sure Coach said, right, go enjoy the win on Saturday night, but what is a Sunday like? Now, for right now, you know, we got to get ready for an SEC opener. You got to go on the road. You got to play Kentucky, who's been a very tough team for Florida lately. 
what is it like turning the page on a Sunday and 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 this kind of you know getting to that mental aspect that we got another game now prepare prepare for? Yeah, you know we we come in and watch the film and you know we do do what's on the schedule, but what the main thing is we go in and watch the film, you know, correct the things that we made and you know kind of just learn from what we can like from the film what we can learn from the game to bring into next week. But you know we instantly close the page and you know it's right on to Kentucky watching film on them and, you know, breaking them down and, you know, just getting everybody together and, you know, running through some plays and that, that we needed to work on that we have in the, for the game plan and on Sunday. And, you know, I think that's a really big for us just, you know, having that time just to completely just shut the page and focus on the next guy, because at the end of the day, the game's over. You can't change it if you win or lose, but we have another team to focus on. When you do that, like, how much of it, how much of it is it? Does it matter what happened the game before? Is it fixing Florida, or is it really kind of really prepping for the next opponent on Sunday? I think it's a both. There's really a both of it aspect because you want to fix what we've done in the game that we can improve on for the next week, but we have a whole other opponent to play against that are completely different than the team that we played last time. So you have to like, you know, have the aspect of say we got to fix this in one area to be better for the next game and what they do. So I think it's really like leans in together, which I like a lot. So, I mean, that, that was talking about sort of the mental aspect of it, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, we see guys like Graham Mertz or Trevor Etienne take hits. And so I think we, at least in some respects kind of understand that each game's taking a toll, but can you talk about sort of the toll from a physical perspective that being an SEC offensive lineman takes on you as the season progresses? I mean, you know, you, you struggling to get in and out of cars or, or like, what does it feel like <laughs> as, as the season progresses? And, you know, do you ever get to hundred percent at any point in the season, even after a bye week or is it just sort of trying to make your way through? That's where, that's where that new facility comes in. Yeah, I'm, I'm living and I'm living that new facility. You know, I try my best to, you know, feel as good as I can. And, you know, playing in the SEC, playing this big time ball, it's, you know, it takes a call on your body. I mean, but everybody, everybody has the same pain as me. You know what I mean? Like, I can't let that affect me. And, you know, that's why I put a big emphasis on, you know, recovery and treatment, all that stuff that we have and take advantage of everything we have in this new facility. You know, I think that's really helped me just, you know, like, being being a pro, as we would say, like, you know, doing the things that you have to do to make your body feel as good as possible, because if you're going to make it a long time in this league and, you know, maybe the next level, you have to do as much as you can to make your body feel great. And then, you know, I'm really taking pride in that. So I'm trying my best every week to feel as best as I can. Also, we're getting together here because you're a Florida victorious, Florida's NIO leader out there putting this together. We'll get back to football in just a second. But I see you. You make the social media post. You guys are out there doing great charity work out there in the community in Gainesville, and you know, re- really leading that aspect of it. What's been your favorite charity work so far that you've been through, Florida Victorious, and how important is that aspect under Coach Napier? Yeah, I think my favorite is you know is the Ronald McDonald House that I do. I I try to attend there as much as I can. Just, and I think that one's just a lot of fun to me. You know, last time I was in there cooking tacos for the whole house and just have making a bunch of food and. And I think this is really important for us just, you know, to show, like, we're going out there doing things with different, like, charities and things like that. And, you know, Coach Neighbor puts a big emphasis on that, you know, just, you know, it's really good for us. It makes us, like, we're doing it for a good cause and we're all doing it, like, together. Everyone goes – you're not just by yourself when you do it. You have four or five teammates with you. And, you know, I really love that aspect of it. Like, I get to hang out with my, my boys and, you know, do this charity thing and, you know, make – make stuff for the house and it's just really cool just seeing all the people that come in you know like are really happy to see us is you know it makes makes my heart happy so 
Do you have one favorite memory so far of, you know, it's kind of maybe even touched your heart a little bit there? <laughs> yeah, you know, there's a uh, there's a person that I met that lived in the Ronald McDonald house and, you know, they they were doing they had they were there for some reasons. And, you know, they ended up moving, moving back home and, you know, they came back to one of the games and, you know, I saw them and I was so happy to see see them. And it was it was a really cool experience, you know, just seeing them from you know, like the Ronald McDonald house and, you know, kind of keeping that contact and then seeing them at the game. I think that's really special to me. You know, we're impacting people's lives like that. And it's just really cool for me to see like them, you know, really supporting us when we we're trying to do stuff for them. They, you know, I think it's really cool. So, I mean, that's one cool aspect of NIL, but obviously it's come on the stage in a big way since your commitment to Florida. So I'm wondering how you've seen that change your life, how you've seen that change in terms of recruiting for your peers, and then has it changed the locker room at all in terms of the dynamics within the locker room and, and um, maybe the way things were before NIL really hit big? You know, I, I think that, you know, everyone benefits from it. I think it's a, you know, it's a good thing for, you know, the people that, that are playing in this league and playing in, in, you know, in college football. I think that's really cool. And, you know, but at the end of the day, I don't think none of it changes our locker room. Everyone's still, you know, regardless of, of how much NIL you have, that's just besides the point. We're in the season. We're make, we're trying to win games. I don't think that really matters. And, you know, I think that we're all, you know, locked in together and that, that doesn't really change and affect us. Austin, have you noticed a, a change with Florida Victorious coming on board and, you know, the interaction that, you know, maybe the administration and the coaching staff has towards NIL and you know, the things that they're asking you guys to do? Uh, how, how much different or, and how has it grown uh, really with Florida Victorious leading the way? I think it's grown a lot. You know, Florida Victorious has done a really good job of, you know, helping us and doing doing the things that like doing things for us. And, you know, I think that's really awesome. They've We've all like – We've all benefited from Florida Victorious, and, you know, they're doing a very good job. You know, I love all the people that work for them and, you know, that that set everything up for us. It's just really awesome, and, you know, I'm, I'm excited to really work with them and, you know, be a part of this. This has been a great experience for me. Awesome. Good to hear. Good to hear. We'll get back to football in just a second, but – NFL, college ball, hey, and a brand new cash-out system gives you options to bet and win all season long at my bookie. The first two legs of your parlay hit, well, we didn't cash out early or place another bet or let it ride for a chance at a bigger payday. Join us at MyBookie for an entire season filled with daily odds boosts, same-game parlays, and huge prize pool contests. Right now, MyBookie has a no-strings-attached cash bonus that lets you deposit and withdraw quick. Use promo code GATERS on your first deposit of $50 or more, and you can receive up to $200 in cash, instantly credited to your MyBookie account. That's Gators to claim your cash bonus now. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere, only at my bookie. And Gators Breakdown is proud to partner with America's number one meal kit, HelloFresh. I received my HelloFresh meals just over a month ago or whatever, and the family's still loving them, working this full-time job, and you know, really, really busy bringing you guys Gators Breakdown during football season. I need all the time I can get. I know you guys are busy out there as well watching these Gators, watching football out there. Well, make it easier with HelloFresh. They want you to have it all. Free time, easy and fresh, tasty food. That's why they take care of the meal planning and delivering the ingredients right to your door. When you need dinner fast, don't call for delivery. Think HelloFresh. Right now is the time to join. Go to HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators and use code 50Gators for 50% off plus 15% off your next two months. That is 
HelloFresh.com slash 50Gators. Use code 50Gators for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. All right, Austin, let's get to the quarterback for a second and talking to Graham Murphy. He was talking to the media today and getting ready for this Kentucky game a bit. Has he changed since he's arrived on campus and now with the games being played and you know him having to be the leader of the quarterback out there is is he the same person since he arrived and you know what does uh, what have you seen from him that maybe you didn't necessarily expect now that you've played four games with him? Yeah, um, no, I think Graham is the same person that you know I've talked about you know like fall camp and spring ball. He came in and you know. He's doing a very good job leading us. Like I always ask him after after every drive, I'm like, "Tell me what you need. Tell me what we like. Tell me just like things like that. Just kind of like breaking it down with him a little bit. You know, seeing the protections good, all all sorts of that. And you know, I think he's doing a very good job when we're when we need him to lead. He comes in there and says it, and we listen. Like he he's someone that when his word when he speaks, like we listen, especially in games. He he does a very good job of that. And you know, me and Graham have a really great relationship, and you know, I, I take that to heart. You know, like the left tackle quarterback just like uh like quarterback like relationship you know I take that to heart and you know I think I think he does too and you know I'm it's really it's really fun playing with Graham and really fun like interacting with him on the field and you know practices like that and even outside I mean he's obviously a really different style quarterback than you had last year sort of what's different when you go from a guy like Anthony Richardson to a guy like Graham Mertz in terms of d- different skill set not necessarily better or worse just different what do you have to do as an offensive lineman that's different given Mertz's different set of skills I think for for that sometimes like I said like last year Anthony made us look good a lot of the times and you know he he can run the ball really like really like he's really good at running the ball he I mean it's just that's his that's his skill set and you know with Graham he's more of a pocket passer and there's you know then that's for us just got to protect better and you know hold up a little bit longer and you know give him time to read the field and things like that it's just you know it's very different but they're both really like different but similar at the same time you know they're really good leaders and things like that but Graham can Graham Graham's a pocket passer and 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 is a uh, you know run around, throw it around type of guy. And I think it's just really hard. It's just really different for us, but I think we're handling that well. All right, Austin, we see the other side of the ball, big improvement on defense. I got to know, when you guys go good on good in practice, did you see it right away? Did you know these guys were going to take this major step up on that side of the ball? And who gives you the most fits in fall camp? in fall practice right now that, you know, maybe you, maybe you saw, maybe you saw this performance coming on defense a little bit. Um, I, I want to see if y'all could guess it. Cause I want to see. Oh, if okay. Could. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Prisley, Prisley's the first one that comes to mind, but I, I, I'm going to assume since you're asking the question, it may be somebody else. But besides, besides, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go. Sap. I'll go. Sap. Okay. I'm. I'm going linebacker. I think it's Scooby. <laughs> it's Princely. In my I talked myself out of it. I yeah, I, that's of why it. when I heard you say that, I heard you. I saw. I saw. I trying to get a little smile that you were right. <laughs> Princey's skill set is just you know it's. Not many people have it, but it's really good to go against that competition every single day. And, you know, iron sharpens iron that we always talk about. And, you know, he makes me better. I make him better in, in, in aspects of the game. And, you know, I think I really benefit from that. He he can he 
long, fast, can rush the passer, can, you know, can can tackle in the run game. It's just he, he's he got everything, and I think that is something that's going to help me keep going against him, you know, every single day in practice. And it's going to help me for this SEC competition because I feel like he is the, the best pass rusher in the SEC. So how different is it, or, or does it change the approach of the offense now that the defense this year seems to be more consistent in terms of getting stops, right? I mean, obviously the defense struggled last year. This year been much better. Does that change your approach at all on offense, or does it maybe relieve the pressure a little bit of having to feel like you got to score every time you go out there, or is it just you're out there, you do the best you can, you try to execute, and you don't worry about what's going on, on the other side of the ball? You know, I always – well, for me, I think that – the defense has done a good job this season, you know, getting stops and things like, excuse me, things like that. But we gotta, we gotta go out there and help them. You know, what I mean, have the ball for a long time. You know, move the ball down the field. Don't have three analysis and stuff like that. We need to help them have be like, they can't be on the field all day. And you know, I think we've done a good job having long drives and things like that. And you know, I think we're both playing very, both sides of the ball playing very complimentary football. And you know, I think we're benefiting from them. They're benefiting for us. And I think we have like a very good like. Like, like I said, complimentary, like, type of football. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Also, we mentioned that, look, you mentioned Princely. You know, I guess that Will went to linebacker. You know, what was it apparent in, in fall camp that this group was deeper uh, up front? There's a lot more playmakers up front. You know, did you did you guys know right away that this defense was probably going to be a little bit different, mainly because of how deep that group can go? Yeah, like I I, I knew. I always talked about you know when when I when I was doing the media that you know they make us better, we make them better, and I feel like going against them every single day is just night and day for us. You know. They got guys rotating in, you know, many guys they can, and, you know, it's giving us fits. It's giving other team fits. And, you know, I think that's what, what we needed to take that next step and, you know, you know, help keep getting better And because this D-line is going to help us do that 100%. And this defense will too. Like like you said, he gets, you guess linebackers, but, you know, they're doing a really good job helping us in these in these SEC games. And, you know, I'm just – I really appreciate all of them that are that are out there that we got. And, you know, I'm excited for us in the in the, in the long run. So obviously, I mean, I think the the place where people maybe have the most concern about the offense is the red zone. Um, some of the struggles against Charlotte, some of the struggles in Utah early in the year. Um, you know, what do you attribute that to, and and sort of what are you guys focusing on to make sure you deliver touchdowns next week against Kentucky? Um, I think that's you know just execution. You know, I mean, I think it's a it's a big thing in football if you execute and do the things that you have to do. I mean, you you succeed and. You know, there, there are little things that we can fix, and I'm, I'm not, you know, even even though we 
kicked a bunch of field goals and and you know Charlotte, I think we're gonna do do a good job this week. Uh, you know, breaking down, like figuring out the best thing we can do, and you know, executing in the in the red zone and scoring points. You know, um, I think that's the big thing that we're looking for is you know execution when we need it, and I think that's some things that we have to you know fix in these upcoming games and. And I think we've done a good job with that, and you know I think we're gonna keep improving that. Also, I gotta know. So now, Marcus Burke, Trinity Christian from Jacksonville on the roster, Trayon Webb, of course, there as well. And then something was really cool shared on social media when Trayon scored his touchdown earlier. And you do it when mostly everybody who scores a touchdown, you'll go and you'll lift them up. But then there was a throwback picture of you doing it to Webb at Trinity Christian, and then putting it side by side of there at Florida. Just talk about the neat aspect of playing with a couple of high school teammates, but namely, you know, being able to kind of replicate some of the things that uh, you did with Trayon Webb uh, years ago at Trinity Christian. Uh, yeah, that that's just a really cool experience, you know, just being able to do that in high school, you know, like just playing games on Friday nights, you know, that's the f- just him, me and him. And, you know, I think we have a great relationship, but especially do it on Saturdays in the swamp where, you know, when he, the funny thing is when we came in, when he came and did uh, some of his uh, visit pictures, we did one of those pictures. I lifted him up when he was in the pads and, you know, I've always har- I always harped on him when he was, when he was at, uh, you know, Trinity that we want you here. I want to have, you know, have more pictures and more like memories like this with you, like lifting up in the end zone. And, you know, the minute they, uh, he, he got in the end zone, he knew to come right to me and, and we recreated. And, you know, I think that was, I was just really happy for him. And, you know, I think that that was just a really cool experience for, you know, everybody in the stand, like anybody in the stands that know that we played together and even the people back at home. Like, I think that was just a really cool thing. So I'm curious. You've got a you've got a forum here. What do you want fans to know, either about you or about your teammates? Is there something specific that you'd want to tell the fans? Just, uh, just I'm excited for for the next few games. I think you know we we're not done yet. I mean, we haven't even scratched the surface yet, and I'm excited for what we got coming. And you know, I think I think each week is going to be a fun week for us. And you know, we're going to put the time in for for these games. And you know, just go out there and compete, you know. I think this is going to be it's going to be fun. Now, let's have some fun also before we let you go here. I now I, I saw it going back at the Tennessee game and you know they showed the highlight video and there's a cinematic video there and of course they they, they focused on the won't back down and new LED lights and stuff. What was it like being on the sideline in between the third and fourth quarter now with the LED lights and the and the phone lights you know, basically making it look like twinkle, twinkle out there. Uh, just, and then I saw you singing along in the video as well. You know, it was good that Florida was up by a few scores against Tennessee for you guys to be able to have fun and enjoy that moment with the fan base. But you know, what was it like going back to that moment and then seeing it every week in between the third and fourth quarter of, you know, that tradition that we have here at Florida. Yeah, that's those, those, those lights are awesome. I, you know, I've been, the minute that I saw him in the <laughs> Solomon, that did the little uh, sneak peek video, I was excited for him, you know. But just seeing all the fans that interact with, it, like when they shut the lights off and do all the flashlights, it's just, it's it's awesome, you know. When you see the lights go flicker on and off from orange and blue, and I think that's just, you know, just elevates like the, just like the fans getting involved with it and things like that. You know, they love it, I love it, the whole team loves, it, and it's just, you know, something that that I think is going to help us. Like, obviously you see, you see the lights shut off every single 90,000 flashlights. I, I mean, I feel like that's a little, some teams are like, they're, they're involved. These fans are involved. They're not, they're not sleeping. They're not, they're being loud, being rowdy. It's just, 
something that we benefit from. But, you know, I think these lights and all these things that we have for us is just awesome. It's just a really cool thing to be a part of. So I'm curious, did, did you ask Micah Mazuka for boxing tips the past week? <laughs> <laughs> no comment. Hey, we, okay. hey, we've heard about that mean streak. Now, not really connecting it to that, but is that part of his play style? Yeah, I mean, he's he's tough. He, he, he'll, he'll uh, this shows that he'll fight for his team and, you know, I think that's that's what he does, and he's he's gonna protect everyone on the field, and you know he plays with that mean streak, and I love it, and you know I I try to have that mean streak too. Austin, all right, I'm I'm gonna assume growing up in Jacksonville, I know the answer to this, but who's the biggest rival? Who's the team that if you get the pick, Florida gets a dub over? And what? Am I a player or am I a fan? That's what I'm asking. Oh, so, so, wait, so it's a different answer if you're a player or a fan of who you want to beat? No, I mean, I'm just saying that you're – I think it's Florida, Georgia. I mean, that's – I would okay. say that. Obviously, yeah. being from Jacksonville, things like that. But, you know, you want to win every game as a player, but as a fan and being – growing up in Jacksonville, that's just the game you look forward to, the games that, you know, and that's what I'm excited for, playing back at home, having half the – hope half the stands are my friends and my, and my family being there. That's just a homecoming game for me. I figured that was going to be the answer, but yeah. I mean, yeah. it's my answer too. But still, <laughs> I mean, what is that? The first, what's that like? The first time you're out there on the field as a player in a rivalry that you've been, you know, paying attention to since you were a kid. And obviously, when you're being recruited, I'm sure if you're from Jacksonville, you get the opportunity to go and sort of stand on the sideline. But when you finally strap it up and you got the helmet on in that rivalry, what's it like? What's it like? Yeah, it's it's different. You can you can feel like the hatred that each team has for each other, you know, obviously the fans don't like each other when you're, when you're growing up, when you're, you know, in school and you're wearing these different colors, you know, you don't like the person that that's wearing this color, this team or whatever, but it's a different, it's a different type of feeling when you strap it up and you're now you're in your stance looking directly in front of the team that's wearing that rivalry color. And it's just, you're out there. It's, it's go time. And, you know, that's something I look forward to, you know, the minute I, I was watching these games as a kid, you know, I wanted to be in these games and, Going in them now, it's just, you know, it's a dream come true, but it's, it's, you can feel it. You can feel how much hatred that you have for this team that you didn't know you had before. I love that word, hatred. That, that's exactly, that's exactly what it is, Austin. I, I hate that. I hate that red and black. I grew up in Georgia, so that one's even more personal yeah. for me. So. <laughs> uh, last one for me, Austin, that I, that I ask every player we come on here. All right, Billy Napier's going to ask you. All right, Austin, you get to pick the uniform combination. That we get to go play on play in the swamp with this week. What's the uh, what's the what's the uniform? What's what color helmet? What color jersey? What color pants does Austin Barber want to run out of the tunnel with? Oh, this this question right here. I, I wish that I wish that we had every week we the whole team got to pick these. But for me, I think <laughs> it would be blue helmet, blue blue jersey, and white pants. I just want to wear the blue helmet. That's all I want to wear. The blue helmet is just. I, I see that when they wore it against Tennessee, that that was thing was was beautiful. I wish we could wear that. Uh, yeah, I, I got the other, I got the blue F behind me, but uh, yeah, that that uh, talk nape into it, man. Come on, I think a lot of fans want to see the blue helmet. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna try my best. <laughs> I think when I next time I see him, I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to throw my little. Can we wear this? See if he see if he budges. You know, he, are he, you, he's traditional. Are you excited for the black jersey? Oh yeah. 
that's you know that's that's what that's what I've been looking forward to all year, and you know, we it's it's just gonna be fun. I think just having the ball black, and you know, hopefully the whole stands wearing all black is gonna be awesome. You know, I think that's what we've been looking forward forward to for a long time, and you know, we finally get it, get the black helmet, the black. This is gonna this is gonna be awesome. Uh, Will, go ahead. One more to wrap up with. Nah, I'm I'm good, man. I, I okay. just really appreciate the time, Austin. And uh, you know, it, it's awesome to get an offensive lineman on here and get a di- little bit different perspective, maybe than we've had before. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. This was this was fun. Just you know, just chopping it up. I think this was was really fun. Yeah, man. We'll do it. We'll see if we can do it again down the road, man. If you if, if you don't mind, I'll, we'll we'll get with Florida yeah. victorious and, and and let's do this again. And have some fun. Let's do it. I'm I'm excited for the next time. All right, Austin. Hey, man. Thank you so much. Florida Gators offensive lineman Austin Barber joining us right here on Gators Breakdown thanks to Florida Victorious. Austin, thanks, man. Thank you. All right, Will. Hey, good stuff there, man. That was fun. I caught him, I caught him a little bit with that question about Mazuka. I couldn't help myself. But, <laughs> no, you uh, did. Was, he handled it well. He handled it well. He did. True, true professional already is one Austin Barber there. The, uh, the, the no comment. But you – you and I talked earlier. We figured that's probably what was going to happen there. But well, I mean, you know, you got to ask the question. You got to. Cause, got to. Because it's entertaining, if nothing else. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I think everybody probably got a laugh at it. But he got a laugh out of it, too. But, uh, hey, good stuff. Good stuff there. Uh, there. Wait, we got a little bit of Kentucky to talk about. We'll turn the page to Kentucky as well. But before we do, Gators Breakdown is brought to you by BetterHelp. Sometimes in life, we're faced with tough choices, and the path forward isn't always clear. Whether you're dealing with decisions around career, relationships, or anything else, therapy helps you stay connected to what you really want while you navigate life so you can move forward with confidence and excitement. I've seen firsthand the difference therapy can make with a family member, and the relationship is better, stronger than ever before. It's hard to take care of life's challenges if you don't take care of yourself first, and that's where BetterHelp comes in. BetterHelp brings therapy to you. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge let therapy be your map with better help that's betterhelp help.com slash gators visit betterhelp.com slash gators to get 10 percent off your first month betterhelp help.com slash gators to check it out all right, well, we'll turn the page to the Kentucky Wildcats and a team that has been a thorn in the Gators' side a little bit. And we'll stick with offensive line talk just a little bit. Uh, we just had Austin Barber on, but, you know, it was an off night with against Charlotte with the retooled offensive line. Some good news. Billy Napier said today that Micah Mazuka will be back this week off of his suspension there from the Tennessee game. It was a first half suspension from the SEC, but it looked like the in-house suspension was for the whole game. And then we will also know later this week if center Kingsley Aguacan will return for this game. Um, Billy Napier did say he will practice on Tuesday. They'll see where he's at. Uh, if you ask me, I would say he probably plays, uh, but we'll get that update on Wednesday uh, from Billy Napier. So uh, could will have Mazuka Aguacan back, which will absolutely be necessary if to me, if Florida is to beat Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty important, right? I mean, yep. obviously struggled to 
to put the ball in the end zone against Charlotte the other day, struggled against Utah to open the season. Those are both games where Eggleton not there. Um, he's there for the Tennessee game, and all of a sudden they're not struggling to put the ball in the end zone. I'm not sure that's necessarily a coincidence that having a guy there with all that experience on the inside. And and look, I mean, Austin wasn't going to say anything bad about, about Jake Slaughter, and Slaughter, I think, has acquitted himself decently. But there's a difference between having a guy who's got three years of SEC starts. And you think about a couple of years ago, Kentucky, that was the game where Florida had eight full starts. That was when Egrican <laughs> was a young guy. Nope. They're starting at center. So, you know, his comment, Austin's comment about Kingsley being able to sort of calm everyone down because he's been there before. You know, he's had that experience that all those guys just had at Utah. Is he going to be able to take that and sort of progress? And and can Florida eliminate some of those procedural errors that we saw the last time they were on the road? I think is a big question to how they're going to perform in this particular game. You know, it's, and and I think you know out of everybody, Mazuka is a big deal, obviously. But but I think Egwikan is probably the biggest deal when it comes to guys that Florida may have back for this one, and certainly hope he gets an opportunity to play. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll move forward from that topic, and let's hear from Billy Napier on the Kentucky Wildcats. This is a big week. Obviously, Kentucky has a really good football team. We've got a ton of respect for Coach Stoops uh, and the program that he's built there, the consistency in which they play um, in the brand of football that they play, the fundamentals, uh, the philosophy. Um, it's a tough place to go play. we got to go up there and play at 12 noon. Our players are well aware of the program Kentucky has. They've beaten us two years in a row. Uh, and I do think that uh, there are challenges that come with going and playing on the road in this league, and certainly Kentucky is one of those. So, um, you know, we're off to a good start. I thought the players were in a good, you know, the frame of mind was really good yesterday. Uh, sometimes you can capitalize off winning, but maybe not play into the expectation. Uh, and certainly I think that's kind of where we're at. So it's going to be an important week and obviously an SEC East opponent um, and first opportunity on the road in the league. Kentucky skill guys, obviously Devin Leary, the quarterback, and then Ray Davis, the guy that you know you were familiar with last year. Vanderbilt had a big Yeah, no, they're transfer heavy on offense. Um, I think they've got a good group of skill players. You know, running back, um, primarily the, the player you're talking about is the featured back. The quarterback was fantastic at NC State. He's had a terrific career, uh, and he's off to a good start. And I think they've got the skilled players at receiver. These two true freshmen uh, that played last year are back as sophomores to transfer from Virginia Tech. Um, and then the tight end, I feel like this one guy, he's been there forever. But um, they've got a good group, and I think up front is where they've made some progress. You know, they um, – so in general – I do think they have a good good complementary group of players on offense. Kentucky, that's one of the reasons why they've been able to be very consistent as a program and as a team is because they play really good defense. Um, they've got an identity. Uh, they, they understand who they are and how they play. Uh, it's a veteran group, um, and I think they've added a couple of transfers also that have provided depth uh, in certain positions, but uh, they've got a good group of defensive coaches. Obviously, the head coach's defensive background, and you know they're systematic in what they do, and they do a really good job. Play well at all levels of the defense, in my opinion. Will this is a team, of course, that has been a thorn in Florida's side. You know, ever since uh, Jim McElwain come in, Florida had some escapes against Kentucky. Uh, Kentucky then re- kind of raised their floor with with Mark Stoops coming in, beating Florida in twenty eighteen, and ever since that. 
Uh, besides 2020, I mean, this has been some crazy, <laughs> dramatic games when you look at Florida and Kentucky. Look, uh, I've always maintained if Florida is Florida, you're beating Kentucky. Well, Florida's not Florida. We hope Florida is you know, getting close to that, but – we can admit at the same time, Kentucky is a better program than they used to be. You know, you 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 have to you have to play a good game uh, to beat Kentucky. It's not the the walkover that they used to be, and I think we know that by now. Uh, going on, you know, at least, you know, like I said, back to McIlwain, where they've been giving Florida some issues. Uh, total offense, you know, hey, look, Florida's fifty fifth in the country, Kentucky sixty four. Uh, scoring offense is where the little bit of a difference is, and they have a much easier schedule, of course. They're 25th in the country uh, in scoring offense at 38 points a game. They're 94th in rushing offense, which is a kind of a, a surprise when you look at a Kentucky offense uh, and see that they're 94th in the country, 12th in the SEC at 131.5 yards a game. Uh, Florida's 58th rushing offense for a comparison. Uh, passing offense, they're tied for 45th in the country with 265. Florida is 56 with 247 as a comparison there. And then Devin Leary, you look at the quarterback, 1,060 yards this year, nine touchdowns, five interceptions already, Will, for Devin Leary this early in the season. Uh, so maybe Billy Napier did speak today about the defense wanting to create more turnovers where you're walking into a quarterback that has thrown five interceptions right now uh, for, for this game. And then Ray Davis, 50 uh 50 carries, 314 yards, five touchdowns there. And, Bill, they spread the ball out on uh, at, at the receiver position. Tavion Robinson, 16 catches. Barry and Brown, 15 catches. Dane Key, 13 catches. Uh, there's a look at your you know Kentucky offense there a, a little bit. But, uh, of course, Devin Leary transfers in from NC State. This is a transfer versus transfer battle uh, as we look at here with Graham Mertz and Devin Leary. Uh, but if you start looking at the statistics between the two, not really a whole lot of separation. And – a little bit worse of a schedule so far for Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Leary and Mertz have gotten to sort of the same place with very different approaches. Yeah. So Leary's only completing 59.3% of his passes. <laughs> Mertz is at 78% of his passes. Um, so, But when you look at their yards per attempt averages, Leary's at 8.6, Mertz is at 9. So what that means is that Leary's going downfield a lot more than Mertz is, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone who's watched Florida's teams that, uh, you know, look, I think Florida needs to go downfield more often. The question is, can they? I think that's going to be one of the big questions as they get in get into the SEC schedule. Kentucky has always had a very solid game plan defensively against yes. Florida. So they have always do, done a very good job against the dual threat quarterbacks, taking away the running game for the quarterbacks and forcing them to beat them from the pocket. Mertz is going to require a completely different set of skills from that Kentucky defense. But I think one of the things the weak opponents sort of set up for me is a little bit of concern that they weren't really game planning for Ball State, Akron, and probably not mm -hmm. Vanderbilt either. And so you think about Florida having, and Napier even said it, that they had time during camp to focus on Tennessee a little bit. Um, and certainly to have advanced scouts to sort of figure out what was going on with Tennessee. I think Kentucky, in many ways, is going to know exactly what Florida wants to do because Florida's already played two big-time opponents. So there's probably not a whole lot left in the chamber in terms of what Napier's going to pull out for this one that he hadn't before, whereas Kentucky might still have a few things a few things to do. I'm really curious to see what they do defensively. I suspect they're going to load the box, and they're yep. going to force Graham Mertz to go over the top, and the question will be, can he do it? And then defensively for Florida, one of the interesting things is, is that they've been very good this year. They rank ninth overall 
in in the nation in terms of giving up 10 plus yard plays and they're ranked 11th overall in giving up 20 plus yard plays that was something where they were in like the 110s last year um but Utah's 101st in that category of 20, for uh, 20 plus yards, 20 plus yard plays offensively. Tennessee's only 75th. Kentucky's 13th. So this is one of those where if you're concerned about Austin Armstrong being aggressive and opening things up downfield for a quarterback to take shots, Devin Leary's going to have an opportunity to take some shots here. And th- that'll be a question. will be, are the Florida corners out there on an island? Can Kentucky sort of run the ball enough to where he has to put those corners on an island? And then can they take advantage of it downfield when, when they have an opportunity? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that point of, you know, and I think we looked at that when we did our kind of mini Kentucky preview before the season started was, hey, Florida was going to be their first test. Their schedule worked out in a way to where, you know, Florida's their first big opponent. They can concentrate on Florida for almost the first month of the season. So I'm ready to kind of see what wins out. And if it is a factory, battle-tested Florida versus uh, probably well-prepped Kentucky, going to your point there. So what – does that factor in? Can it, you know, being Florida being battle tested, two big games uh, against Utah and Tennessee? But as you said, we'll maybe draw that back a little bit because Florida's had to throw so much out there. It will be a kind of kind of cat and mouse game uh, going right there. But looking at Kentucky's defense, you mentioned that will total defense twenty first in the country, giving up two hundred ninety three yards a game. Scoring defense is twenty first as well, only giving up fifteen and a half points per game. Florida thirteen and a half by comparison. Uh, tied for 18th in the country. Kentucky is 21st in the country, as I mentioned there. But the biggest one we'll mention, stacking the box, maybe uh, to stop Florida's run game where they've done, like I said, schedule, really sketchy so far for Kentucky, but that hasn't mattered in the past. They've Their schedule has been weak going into this Florida game so many times. We think that might can work in Florida's advantage, and it really hasn't. Uh, 10th in the country in rushing defense for Kentucky right now, that is first in the SEC. They're only giving up 77 and a half rushing yards a game. Not the best competition, of course, uh, but worth noting uh, that's what they've been able to do so far. So we know, I think we know what the game plan is going to Will's point. They're going to try and stop this Florida run game. Florida under Billy Napier if you can't run the ball. It's hard to come away with a victory. Uh, I don't think this one's too hard in figuring out what they want to do defensively and what they want to stop and make Graham Mertz beat them in with his arm. No, I mean, look, I, I think just like any game that you're in in the SEC with games that are close, right? So it was 20 to 13 back in 2021. Last year was what, like a nine point win or something like that. Um, you know, these games are always close and it's going to come down to turnovers. And last year, the turnover right at the end of the half for Anthony Richardson and the pick six for Anthony Richardson is really what made the difference. It's not like Will Levis was playing that much better. And considering how bad Florida's defense was last year, um, you know, we were we were getting hope at that point that the defense was starting to turn a corner because of what we saw against Utah to open the year and then Kentucky in the second game. And boy, did that, did that unravel really quickly. So... Um, so, you know, I, I think this is not going to be an offensive juggernaut, which mm-hmm. means it's going to come down to Graham Mertz protecting the ball. They're going to have to hit some big plays. You know, the first game the first game against Utah, there was a play where if Mertz had hit Pearsall in stride instead of sort of leading him out of bounds, it would have been a touchdown rather than just a 40-yard gain. Like those sorts of things, you're going to have to hit them. All right, they're going to have to get those couple of big plays that, that give you easy touchdowns because that's the thing. Even against Tennessee, every score other than the one after the interception was hard. 
And even the other day against Charlotte, it felt like they were always driving 95 yards. Yeah. And when you got to, when you got to go 95 yards for a drive, you're going to screw up something along the way. So making sure that they don't have any special teams gaffes, calling fair catches. So they get the ball to 25, stopping them when you get an opportunity on defense so that you can shorten the field and maybe have like a, a 45 or a 55 yard drive because you got a, you got a bad punt from Kentucky or you got a good return or something like that. Not holding on a special teams return. That would be nice. Yeah. Um, so those sorts of things along with turnovers is what always decides these games. And I, I don't think that Kentucky is physically gifted so much more to be able to blow Florida off the field. But I think that goes the other way too. I'm not sure Florida is physically gifted enough on the offensive side of the ball to blow Kentucky out of the, off the field. I think it really does come down to who takes care of the ball the best and who makes the least amount of mistakes. And so, you know, all those procedural penalties, all of the mm-hmm. all of the lining things up correctly, fumbles, special teams, you know, field goals, all those sorts of things are going to come into play. You're not going to be able to gift teams points and Florida has been gifting teams points all year long. And if they continue to do that, then I think that it's going to, you know, in the fourth quarter, we're going to be sitting there ruin the seven points or the 10 points that they've cost themselves with mistakes in a game that maybe they lose by, by four or five points. And and that I think is where this one's probably going to be headed. Yeah. Uh, Napier one of six on the road as head coach for the Gators. So hopefully uh, that gets fixed to one win being Texas A&M last year. And then, uh, of course, the end of the season last year, Vandy FSU on the road ends up losses and Utah to start the season this year uh, a loss. So hopefully, hopefully something that, that can turn around here. We'll go into your turnover point one more time. Devin Leary, five interceptions on the year. Grand Merch with only one. Uh, so hopefully that does that trend continues uh, and this Florida defense continues. They're good ways as well. Uh, and cre- but creating some more turnovers. That's, that's what Billy Napier said today. Look, if there's one thing this defense can do better, it is creating some turnovers. So uh, hopefully that starts this weekend as well. So the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, before we sign off, let's hear from Graham Mertz and his thoughts as well ahead of Kentucky. You've played in some tough road environments in the Big Ten and so forth. Uh, yeah. But, you know, for the offense and for the younger guys, how much do you think Utah is a benefit going back to Kentucky, you know, having having that road experience under your belt, you think? Yeah, I think anytime you go on the road, um, there's an element of the team's mindset. And you got to have that, like, road warrior mentality. Um, it's, it's really – you go into any any road game, it's a hostile environment. And, I mean, you got your, you got your boys with you. And there's, there's a mental approach, and I think that's any game, that you have to have an edge. And, yeah, I mean, we, we went to Utah, and we didn't execute. And we mentally didn't have that edge. So we're, across the board, we're talking about that. And we got to go out there, execute at a high level, um, and just have fun doing it. And that, that's, that's our plan. You're renowned for your film work and study and all, yeah. and all that. But, like, you know, this weekend, Mark Stoops, he's known as a defensive guru kind of guy. Yeah. And so how often do you go out there and you go, man, I didn't see that coming. Uh, my freshman year, that happened a couple of times. Uh, but I mean, I've, I'm, I'm confident. I've, I've seen a lot of defenses. Um, I mean, I was blessed at 
Wisconsin to have a great coordinator, defensive coordinator, and Coach Leonard. So he threw the, I always joke about it, he threw the kitchen sink at me in practice, blitzes, um, coverage combinations, everything. And then here we got Coach Armstrong who does the same thing. So, and then in game, I mean, I've, I've had a bunch of different looks. So it just goes back to preparation and, and knowing, understanding defenses, where guys should be. Um, when something looks a little off, that means, okay, something's probably off. And then you got to analyze a little bit more. Um, but there really hasn't been a, an opportunity in a while where I've seen something where I, I, I haven't been prepared, I haven't seen it. Um, so for me, it's, it's gathering all the information, getting our guys in the right protection, run game check, um, combination with uh, routes. So for me, it's, it's that's the game within the game. That's a lot of people don't really have the opportunity to experience that, but that's where that's where the game gets fun. Yeah, it's like a chess game. Yeah, it's, it's a blast. Talked a lot about how you got the odd edge going against the Tennessee week, where there's rivalry or it being a ranked opponent. Um, what do you feel like the team's mindset will be for Kentucky? You guys lost two in a row to them. It's your first SEC road game. Is what do you sense? Maybe the intensity will be like this week. Yeah, I think when, when you when you talk about mentality, and I really appreciated our approach going in the Tennessee game. I thought it was great, great week of prep. Um, and I, I think the mentality is built within the week of work, and I think we're still we're still building that this week. So it's it's TBD. But I mean, we know when we're playing our best ball, it's great execution, it's confidence, it's guys trusting the guys around them. So I mean, we know what contributes to winning football, and for us, it's it's kind of going through the week, sharpening that blade of of what we need to be for that week. And I think that's. I think that holds true to every week. I mean, it, it all comes down to just execution in this game. And I mean, we, we've seen that on both ends this year. Do you think the Kentucky losing streak will be something that's addressed, or is that not even, do you think that won't weigh maybe as heavily yeah. as like Tennessee? Week no, week? it's been addressed. <laughs> you mentioned some of the pre-snap issues at Utah. Do you, do you change the process or the approach, other than maybe you said mindset, going in, knowing you, you're going to face some similar issues. Challenges. Yeah, I, I think any any road game. I mean, you look at any team that's come into the swamp. I mean, there's there's issues where if you're not on your game, you're not communicating at a high level. Um, yeah, there's penalties that pop up. So, I mean, we've we've been on the road. We've seen that, and we're gonna. I mean, I guarantee you, we're gonna work on communicating at a high level. I mean, that's every week. But you know, I can do a better job. I mean, I can communicate better. I can make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, so yeah, that'll be a point of emphasis for me. Yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't think he was phased at, at Utah. You know, a lot of those issues were up front. He's seen a lot of football. He's played a lot of football. He wasn't phased on the road. And look, it will be key. Great. It is beneficial. Florida has already played a road game, uh, had those issues. They know what to fix. Hopefully Kingsley, you know, Kingsley did not play in that opening game versus Utah. Hopefully he's back anyway. Uh, that, like you said, helps settle down these guys there. But him seeing a lot of defenses, like I said, I, I don't think uh, – what Kentucky's going to throw at him is not going to, you know, uh, be a surprise to him. If they, if they go out there and play well, and I mean Kentucky on defense, it's just because they're good. You know, I, I don't think anything's going to surprise Graham Mertz here. He'll either play good or bad uh, in, in this situation. But, well, it, it's going back to the point. Uh, Florida's going to need the run game uh, to help him. It's not to say that, you know, his stats don't look good or whatever and, and, and all that, but I think it's been proven time and time again and Charlotte was an example. Utah was an example. All last year was an example. This run game just has to get going to help the quarterback. It's in sync. This offense is in sync 
when the run game is going. It doesn't matter what the quarterback stats look like. They can be 300 yards, 400 yards passing. If the run game isn't there, it does not translate to a win. Uh, and look, this environment at noon, thankfully, you know, not an 8 p.m. game here in Kentucky like they always seem to be uh, right here. But Florida got to get the run game to help protect Graham Mertz. Uh, and can they protect him enough, too? He's taken a lot of shots this year, keeps getting back up. He has shown his toughness and how he keeps standing back up and being the leader and the quarterback that these Gators need. Uh, but also, you don't want to, as SEC play ramps up and these defenses ramp up, you don't want him taking too many hits either. So how Florida can how, – how creative can Florida get in the run game, I think? You know, we'll, we'll still wait on word for – for Trey Wilson and see if he's back there and uh, Ricky Pearsall as well. We saw Andy Jean get involved and can a little bit of East-West run kind of help open up the Kentucky defense where some of these up-the-middle runs um, hopefully start taking off a little bit more as well. Uh, We need to see a lot of creativity in this offense there, Will, I think, to help Graham Mertz out. So that's interesting. I actually want less creativity. Just really? feed, feed number two and feed number seven, man. I don't, like, th- I don't it, think that's good enough, though. I don't think they can just line up and run. That's, you know, that's, but that, that's the thing is that, it, that, it, that is your identity. Your identity is it those is. guys. And, and yep. ETN especially is somebody who can make people miss in the hole. And, and you are going to have to at some point, if you want to win this game, and if you want to win big-time games in the SEC on the road with this team, you are going to have to line up and get 10 yards over three plays when there's 10 yards to be had, right? And if you get stuffed three straight times, have to punt back against, punt back to them, you know, that's what's going to end up happening. Like there will be an, and maybe it's not the Kentucky game, but there will be a time where Florida has an opportunity to salt it away. And the question is, are they prepared to do that? And, you know, look, yeah, they need to have end arounds. And I don't know, is Trey Wilson going to be back this week? I haven't, I haven't. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping Wednesday we find out there. Um, but, be not, so, it, yeah, it'd be nice. To well, have. so Seth Varnador made a really good, really good point a couple of weeks ago about slowing down the rush towards those those running backs by having those end arounds. Yeah. They will certainly have that in the game plan against Kentucky, and they will be trying to slow that down. That was one of the benefits that they got getting it out to Trey Wilson a bunch to start with. So that's sort of maybe the creativity you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, but, that, that's where I was going with that. Yes, but I mean, here, here's where I'm at. Graham Mertz, I think, has exceeded all expectations this year, especially for me. But his quarterback rating is eighth in the SEC. His yards above replacement, which involves sacks and running, is a stat that I have. Tenth in the SEC. He's seventh in yards per attempt. He's first in completion percentage, but he's 13th in yards per completion. And so what what that really says is that if the completion percentage comes back down to earth, it's going to be a really pedestrian day. And I'm not sure that they've played teams that are that are scheming specifically for them the way that Mark Stoops has done the past couple of years. We'll see. I think he's going to have a specific game plan to try to put this one on Mertz. And the way you get him out of that is not, I mean, a few deep shots from Mertz, but the way you get him out of that is you just run against the loaded box anyway, yeah. right? Maybe you got to do some misdirection stuff to loosen it up a little bit, but this is going to come down to the big boys in the middle. And if Florida can't average five yards of rush in this one, they're going to really, really struggle. And, you know, if you got to put window dressing on it to get there, okay, fine. Yeah. But I, I think. I think there are two things to really watch for. One is ETN specifically. I think he needs 18 to 20 carries. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing to look for is they need some screen passes to the running backs, yep. similar to the one they had with the touchdown to Montreal Johnson the other day, where they're inviting Graham Mertz to get hit. 
for the, <laughs> for, the, for the option of getting the ball to the running back yeah. with a bunch of offensive linemen up the field. They do a lot of stuff in sort of quick game to the wide receivers trying to set stuff up. You saw sort of the double screen pass where they tried to sneak Arliss Boardingham up the middle, and that didn't work in the red zone the other day. But, you know, look, the red zone struggles and really the struggles against Charlotte were directly correlated to the fact that they just didn't get the ball to Montreal Johnson and, and ETN enough. And, you know, in the first drive, they gave it to Montreal Johnson six times for 38 yards. They scored a touchdown. The second drive, or really the rest of the half, those guys got four carries total. And if, if that's what they're going to do, if they're going to get away from what they do, bread and butter, I think they're really going to struggle. If they stick with that, say, this is our identity, we're going to shove it down your throat no matter what you do on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're going to have success. But they got to go prepared from an offensive line perspective to have that be the attitude and understand that in, it's the same thing I said against Tennessee, though Tennessee, it actually happened earlier than I thought it would. But what I thought their chance was in that Tennessee game was to hand the ball off to those guys. And even if you didn't get anything other than a couple of yards, and even if you had to punt in the first half, that was okay. So long as you stayed with it, came back to it in the third and fourth quarter. And at that point, the opposition was tired. I think you got to do the same thing, especially on the road with, with Kentucky. You're going to need to wear them down up front. And this is one of those games where Florida's going to win. I think it's going to be, you know, a few years ago with Will Muschamp, I guess it was 2012, where Mike Gillisley just sort of torched Florida State in the fourth quarter after the Antonio Morrison hit, knocked the ball out from E.J. Manuel. That game was really close. And mm-hmm. then it broke open in the fourth quarter because of a turnover and also because Florida State had no answer for Florida at running back. That, I think, is the same formula. Florida's going to have to – the first and second quarter are really sacrificial. <laughs> to make sure that in the third and fourth quarter they can run. So if the game's like seven to six at halftime, that's actually perfect for Florida because yeah. it means that they've been able to sort of to sort of get those guys tired while not having to play catch up. Um, and I think that's an important part of what they're going to need to do. Yeah, I got the sneaky inclination that Saturday's game. You know, I'll have a preview later this week. I don't know if either offense runs the ball. And it's going to be on Leary, and it's going to be on Mertz. And that's, that's going to that's, be – That's bad news for Florida. If that's what <laughs> happens, that's really bad news for Florida. It just is. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't paid out. It, has, it hasn't paid off yet uh, for, for a Napier offense at Florida. If, if the run game's not there, it doesn't translate to a win. That, that's what scares me as well. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's – we also haven't had a defense like this in quite some time. So hopefully that's <laughs> that uh, true. There's yeah, hope so. that there might be a stop when you punt the ball. It's, right. it's, I don't know yeah. what that feeling's like, man. Like yeah. we go back to punt and I still get like dread. I was telling you before we came on that, uh, that, uh, um, I think Sharif Denson's number zero and when he comes on the field, I sort of do a double take <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, no, we're, we're good. That's not trading. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's that's what that's what worry that, that I won't say worries me. I get, okay, maybe worry is the, the the right word, just because I haven't proven we can win without a run game yet. But I do think you know with with this defense, there's there is a path there that that can happen now. Um, but look, the easiest path and how this team is built is to go run the ball, and that's that is the identity. That's how this team is built. That's Na- Napier's mo. Now I think down the road. With these receivers that he's recruited and lagway down, I, I think he can change the offense a little bit. But right now, year two with Etn and Johnson and the offensive line and how they're constructed, it is still a run first, and it needs to be successful to win a whole bunch of ball games. Yeah, I mean the problem with the the problem with not running the ball is what you said earlier about Mertz taking a bunch of hits. 
is that you know that that was actually to me the most imp- the most disappointing part of the Charlotte game was that he got beat up and he didn't get to sit out the third and fourth quarter yeah. for two reasons. One is that he got beat up, right? And he doesn't have a uh, at least a half to sort of relax and get healthy. And then the other part is is that I really wanted to see Max Brown or someone else get snaps because they didn't get a whole lot of snaps in the McNeese game. They held him in there pretty long, you know, and then they split mm-hmm. the they split the snaps there at the end. And if anything happens to Mertz, they got to have a guy to pull in there and 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 be able to run the show and to have him have to run the show first time really any sort of real meaningful snaps and real snaps where you're trying to do something you know where you're actually trying to score um against Kentucky on the road that can be a little bit of a difficult one. I I went to Lexington it was probably I guess it would have been 2011 and that place is impressively loud considering that it's a basketball school. Like you don't necessarily think about them as being like a certainly they're not a blue blood SEC program, but you know I sort of always thought of their place as sort of a rinky dink place and that was because Florida was beating them by you know 70 every time they went up there. But now that these games are close that crowd plays a factor and you know they're so they're gonna have to run the ball and they're gonna have to keep Mertz off the ground and and if they can't run the ball I don't know how they keep Mertz off the ground I think those two things are intertwined right because Uh because if you have to drop Mertz 30 35 times to throw the ball and they know the run's not coming or they know they can stop the run with the front four that means the front four is beating the offensive line which also then means they're probably getting to Mertz and, and making him pay a little bit and that then makes him get rid of the ball a little bit earlier and now you start getting worried about turnovers so, um, look, it, it's all going to come down to how they run the ball. I, 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 I think if it ends up being Leary versus Mertz, that's bad news. I, I think it's not necessarily that Leary's that great. It's that Mertz has been serviceable but has not been fantastic this year. The The only game I have him as above average is the last one against Charlotte. And there we had all the red zone struggles, and I think in many ways that ties to him too. So it doesn't mean I think he's a bad player. It just means that I think if you're asking him to win the game – you're asking more than we should probably expect. And our expectations should be that other people are going to have to carry the load. And to me, it's, 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 it's going to be the same story all year long. And probably next year too mm-hmm. is feed two, feed seven, make sure they get the ball enough. If Trey Wilson gets the ball five or six times, I'm cool with that too, but um, get the ball to the running backs, get out of the way and and make sure and just beat them up front. This is going this is- I'm talking myself until like six to six going into the fourth quarter. Just take the under, man. (laughs) (laughs) I I probably will. I I, I probably will. That's uh, I I have a feeling this can be a distant, ugly, ugly game right here. So, and again, I think think that defenses are good. Don't get me. I think I think it's not necessary. I think both offenses can be good, but I think both defenses are better. Well, ugly favors Florida. So if if it's a pretty game, I think Florida's probably on the bad end of it. I think if it's ugly, again, it depends on how ugly, but if it's ugly, then you're talking about defenses really beat you're talking about a place where Florida's skill on defense is really starting to play a major role. I mean, I said Scooby earlier in terms of hard, being hard to block because that guy is fast when he makes a decision. And I, I love Shamar James, and I think he's going to be an all-SEC linebacker maybe even this year, but I think Scooby Williams has a future in the, on that mm-hmm. list as well. And so you got those two linebackers. you got Jordan Castell as a true freshman who may make a couple of mistakes, but, man, does he seem gifted back there. And, and we're starting to see these guys grow up before our eyes. So in an ugly game – 
do you maybe get a Cam Jackson in there in Leary's face, force the ball up, and all of a sudden you got a pick? I mean, honestly, that's kind of what put away the Tennessee game. That game, especially because they missed the extra point and then went for two and didn't get it. You're sitting there twelve to what was it, twelve to seven, mm-hmm. and you, you know you're only one score away, and all of a sudden you get the pick, put that one home, and now it's nineteen to seven, and you've given yourself some breathing room. Um, I, I think there's an opportunity there for 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 the defensive line to cause a turnover with some of those guys they've got at linebacker and safety. And hey, if it's if it's an ugly game, I think Florida is probably um, you know that's the way you go. I think if it's twenty four to seventeen, you're probably looking more Kentucky. If it's seventeen thirteen, now you're talking Florida having a shot. I'll take six to three. <laughs> it's like that old Virginia will, Tech game where they had what was it three three going into overtime or something and being well, on the sidelines zero going into overtime. I can't remember. Yeah, give, give me three out. points, man. It's 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 an alma mater of mine. You gotta give. Me- <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> they, take they stink. They lost to Rutgers the other day. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to do. And they lost to lost to Marshall as well, right? Marshall, yeah, uh-huh. yeah. It's yeah. it's it, no matter how bad it gets in Gainesville, it's nothing like Blacksburg right now. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I'll take an ugly win. So, I mean, I, look, I think there might be some a couple ugly wins this year. So, uh, with the way this defense is performing, and you know, I, I think you know the the um, maybe lack of explosives on offense, there could be some quote unquote ugly games uh, that that down the road. But I think that's what happens when you got a a pretty good defense. Uh, maybe, well, maybe and the good news while. is I haven't picked one game right this whole year i've been like on the wrong side of everything and it's funny because the previews have actually been pretty accurate in terms of like what they're anticipating and then there's just something that you can't anticipate like i anticipated florida was gonna be able to do a pretty good job against utah's offense especially if they had a backup quarterback in there and that they give up a couple of big plays but it'd be okay and then i'm like but the florida's offense should be able to run the ball not at all not at all (laughs) and then you go to the tennessee game i picked the volunteers because i was like well florida couldn't run the ball against uh, against Utah, so why would they be able to run the ball against Tennessee? Just completely plow them over. So, so yeah, I I, I see it in the comments. I'll, uh, I'll you know we'll, we'll see. You probably want me to pick Kentucky, given that uh, you know given my success this year so far. All right, I'm sure you'll have your preview up at Read and Reaction later this week. I'll have mine right here on Gators Breakdown, of course, midweek episode. So uh, lots to look forward to with Florida and Kentucky this week in Lexington. Anything else, Will? Nah, man, it's it's fun. Three and one. If you'd have told me at the beginning of the year, and this was it's funny, post game show after the after the Charlotte game, everybody was angry. I had to talk them off a cliff. Like if you'd have told me three and one after four games back in July, I'd have like sign me up right now. Do you care what the point spread or do you care what, how they got to three and one? Do you care like whether it was good or bad? Do you care like no? Give me three no. and one. I'll sign up for it right now. And so they've gotten there, right? They've exceeded, I think, a lot of people's expectations. They've exceeded my expectations in some ways. And so, um, you know, I, I think there's obviously some concerning stuff that needs to be fixed, but there's that every year, unless you're a team like Georgia last year where you're just rolling over everybody. And even then, they almost lost to Missouri. So and that's what I was about um, to say. You can say that for a lot of teams right yeah. now. <laughs> so, I mean, look, they're in first place in the SEC East right now. They win this game tomorrow. And I think, don't you have, isn't South tomorrow, Carolina uh, playing tennis? It's, it's Monday, Will. What are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm geared up for it. So <laughs> they beat Kentucky this weekend. And then you got South Carolina playing Tennessee, right? So yes. all of a sudden yep. now you've got huge leads you can build in the East yeah. given what's going on there too. So this is a big, big game for Florida from the standpoint of setting themselves up, not just in the national picture, but in the SEC picture overall. And, you know, look, if they're 4-1, and 2-0 and in the SEC after this one, um, 
you know, that that's, that's a huge, huge leg up on everybody and really sort of preparing you for what you would imagine is a pretty big cocktail party coming up there at the end of October. Yep. That's what we're looking forward to. Hopefully that is a, uh, only one lost Florida to Utah going into Jacksonville. And we'll see. We'll see. Um, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm, I'm this, this game here this, this week. Like, this was the game I picked before the season. You, you picked Tennessee as the kind of the key game. I picked this one as a key game. I think we're both right in some ways there. Uh, so well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I think this game will tell us a lot uh, on Saturday and Florida's chances to kind of move up that SEC pecking order. So, all right, that'll do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown for Will Miles. Find him at Read and Reaction at Will Miles SEC as well. I am the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on social media at GatorDave underscore SEC at Gators Breakdown. Guys and girls out there, thank you for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>